Sounds good. I just don't like my own voice. Right. Same, dude. dude. I feel like I sound like a frog, dude. But then everybody listens. Is like, no, actually, your voice is soothing. I'm like, get fucked. You're being nice because I. Hate dude, my I, voice. I don't think anybody agreed. Likes their own. And voice. there's something about that. Yeah. I know that there is an actual thing. Well, we're not narcissists. We're not Marines. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, no, like, like, because I go back and edit these. And yeah. In the beginning, dude, it was rough. I'm listening to my voice, talk and talk, and I'm like, I sound like an idiot. So, yeah. And I've gotten almost used to just hearing it play back because that's part of it. But mm. I still don't like it. And so, then, then I had to get used to the seeing myself, which I don't like. I'm going to be weird for a second. Be weird, dude. You're dude, always weird. I have gay sims all the time. <laughs> um, no. Um, you look super familiar. So I, I'm just trying to figure out if I ever ran across you in the military or it's just like we're both white guys. Benning the entire time. The entire <laughs> Except time? Except DC for two years in the beginning. When, what about on deployment? When did you, yeah, when did you deploy? So I deployed three times. So it would have been... Most of seven, eight, nine, twelve, thirteen. Okay, I was I put in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and eleven to twelve. Eight, nine was um, oh god, I'm not gonna remember the name. I was in uh, Diala. Fob Echo, uh, Diwania Province, Southern Iraq. I was Iraq for right. everything. Okay, I, I was in. Uh, Did you contract? No. Oh, okay. When'd you go to sniper school? I went to cyber school class three eleven. Okay, so no, I guess not. That was actually, I was in. I went two thousand ten. Okay, we were just a big, tall, fucking white guy. <laughs> Maybe I was at the school. I helped out the schoolhouse a shit ton too. Oh, did you? Because I was on Benning and uh, Sergeant First Class Dove. He was the NCOIC at the I time. Dove. Yeah. yeah, he was just here day before yesterday. Was He's it? like one of my closest friends. Cool. Yeah. So Dove was the NCOIC. So I just be built a friendship with all them. I was like the little shithead who had like a lot of friends way outside of my rank which pissed off a lot of people which now looking back i could have done things a little bit more <laughs> tactful i don't know why i just always got along with older people same <clears throat> um but no so dove was one of my good buddies and met him obviously through sniper school and then i contracted with his little brother well uh -huh. not little but he's like my age okay um well oh, he's three years younger than me but then i contracted with devon dove which is his younger brother, who's also a sniper. Oh, cool. So then we were with Sock together on DDMT. Oh, nice. And then Devin came on. Then when I had my first daughter, I got out of contracting. Okay. And then I always think it's funny because they're like you obviously have a good idea. Like actually, my my father-in-law we talked about this earlier. My father-in-law was actually in the first sniper school class in '87 when he was an RI at the time. Um, it's kind of neat, but it's you know it's how small of a world it is. Like you know, okay, if twenty if. 15 to 23 guys graduate and there's five or six schools a year since 1987 mm -hmm. you can pretty much have a red vest man how many beat bravo fours are out there or bravo bravo eights um <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i did 10 straight weeks when people were like how long was cyber school I'm like 10 weeks no, and same. i always and i always love it because people try to get like oh well that's not I'm like oh no actually it is because i did 10 straight weeks because yeah. i they let me stay same so i did everything but graded events no right what got you Wait, are we going? Yeah, we're, we're, we're Oh, no shit. I didn't so, know if y'all did like intros and stuff. So I, I actually, I will because so I, I've been explaining this to every guest. I wasn't doing intros. We would just get right into conversation, which I like. But some of our guests would, I could tell they're like, what, are you not going to introduce me? And then I had a couple people that listened say, hey, you might want to introduce them because if we don't read the description, we don't know who you're talking to. I'm like, it's hard if you like, don't Yeah, introduce. that makes sense. So our guest today <laughs> is Lucas O'Hara. He is... 
the man when it comes to forging metal. <laughs> His company is Grizzly Forge, and he also works with Black Rifle Coffee. That is correct. And we are in his shop, and it's pretty fucking cool. Welcome, guys. It's a yeah. pleasure. Yeah. So for you not watching the video, that sucks for you because it's pretty cool. <laughs> but so, yeah, so in, 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 introduction. Anyway. There you go. Hell yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. We're just, I was like, I feel like this is podcast stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we were doing that, like just boom, right? Which I don't mind that when I listen to a podcast, but... But definitely don't cut this stuff out. Um, I'm not cutting anything. Good. I don't cut anything. I'll out. choke you. Um, <laughs> so obviously, remember how you 550 corded your partner's dope book around your neck? Yep. So I should have been more responsible and checked mine around mine from his more often. So he was actually on our team. Like we were friends, but he's like one of those. He's like Travis Barker, full of tats, the quietest guy on the planet. And I failed shoot one. I was like, I'm the best fucking shooter on this team. Like, how did I? Was I missing? Like, I don't get it. I, I, my fundamentals are solid. And I was like, I fucking failed it. I went and signed the paperwork with the, what was his name? The civilian, uh, oh God, I don't remember his name, the cool-ass guy. But anyway. Stan. Stan. So I signed, that sucks. And then one of the instructors, he's like, dude, he's like, we rolled a rapport. And he was like, because he's from Alaska originally, where I was stationed. And he was like, what the fuck happened? Like, you're solid. I don't know what's going on. And he was like, you know what? He goes over to him. He grabs my fucking dope book. It's empty, dude empty he's like this motherfucker and he's like you signed the papers like i'll go talk to them right now and mm-hmm. you're like that was the deal they made they said keep him on the entire class and he'll join the next one and so the next one was just a cakewalk dude because i was i was good at everything the stocks especially i loved going where no one else went and just fucking making this almost impossible and that's where i'd go and i would pass with stocks you know uh anyway yeah so short story long so how would, so how was what got you uh it was a uh, target detection Okay. So uh, I was off a grid. So mm-hmm. my last number on my grid was off and it like broke my heart. Like I was so upset because that's all I ever wanted to do was be a sniper. Yeah. And then when that happened, I was super, super bummed about it. And then I can't remember like the civilian instructors out there are so amazing. Yeah. Like they're the absolute best. I'm pretty sure it was Blaine, but uh, Blaine, one of the, yeah. one of the older gentlemen was just like, don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. And he named some super awesome dudes. He's like, he failed this. He failed this. He failed this. And he's like, you got this. Cause he could tell I was like heartbroken. Yeah. Cause I had done so well so far and everything else. And I was trying like the hardest I'd ever tried in a school. <clears throat> and then they're like, yeah, you uh, can stay for all the events. You just can't do the graded event. So I would yeah. just sit there and like on the little FTX, cause my class, they started introducing like an FTX at the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard it's changed even more. Yeah. We did it to the overnight one. Was, yeah, yeah. Well, it was like, no, this was like a, a few days. Oh, a like, few days. yeah, okay. it was like three or four days if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and it was the first intro to that, but, uh, yeah, so I just kind of like hung out with the RIs and like helped with the camp and like helped drive trucks around and just was like, I guess, the sniper school bitch for a while. <laughs> but it was really rad and like it was cool because I got to learn so much because once the stress of like, I have to pass, I have to pass, I have to do this great, all of that kind of went away. Right. And I got to actually learn, which yeah. was really good for me. And then that class graduated and I picked back up, I think, two days later. Okay. Um, and then was lucky went all the way through that whole one and then graduated but it and it was also like our class was the tail end of um what is the name of that surviving the cut they had just filmed surviving the cut at the schoolhouse and then my class picked up so they were still like had like b-roll guys and 
picking up with like the guys who had failed and then rolled over into my class because they were actually on the show. Right. So there was a little bit of that. So they were tweaking and changing a few things, but uh, it was really cool. But what was wild was when my class graduated, you remember you do like the little after action report, uh-huh. fill out like this is what you think. A lot of dudes were just like, this school was a fucking joke. It was super easy, like when shitty. And then we had Sergeant uh, Rademacher he was, and it's so funny, like, I can't remember shit, but there's certain names I'll never forget. Uh-huh. But Rademacher, he was trying out for RRD. And so he was on their training cycle for that. And it really pissed them off that so many people were like, this school's a joke. So my first class was like more gentleman course. And then my next class, we started with a 20 mile ruck march. Fucking same. And so it was like, I was kind of comfortable of like, this is how it is. I've already been here. I feel comfortable about this. And it was like going to a brand new sniper school. Cause I was like, this sucks. Yeah. Cause they were a little heated about some of the reactions. Like, all right, if y'all want a hard school, like we'll do a hard school. And so it started off pretty heavy and then mellowed out. Cause I mean, there were guys deploying. We had three guys. I think they left like within a week after straight to sniper teams. So it's like you want, it's not like ranger school or seer school where it's like just try to get them to quit. Mm-hmm. It's like we actually need to teach these guys correctly so that when they deploy, they're straight on teams and they're good to go. So so if you were to 2011, you, you're probably one of the last classes before it switches seven weeks then. I feel like that was a little after me. I feel like that was like a year or so after. I might be completely off, but yeah, I, I can't remember. I met a guy in a, or So when I got to Afghanistan, a couple weeks after, we had to go back to CAF to get the XM300s, the XM24s. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name there. The one full of tats. Uh, um, he, had a, he had a girl's name. Anyway, um, he was like, oh, it's at seven weeks now. I was like, oh, shit, you know, which was kind of cool. But... But it's so weird, though, because mine, 2010, same thing. My first one, I was like, so gentle. Everyone was an adult. Second one, we had an RI, of all people, breaking fucking so many rules that we were getting fucked up. Like, because of him running on a stocking course and we didn't dime him out, he was a little bitch anyway, we were doing everything in ghillie suits in the middle of the fucking summer, obviously. Like, we were eating chow in the prone on the fucking main road mm-hmm. in ghillie suits. Everything we did, just because of guys like that. So it's the same thing. We went from a like gentleman's school to, like, all right, motherfuckers, like, we're going to babysit you, you know? Like, yeah, and I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, they shouldn't have to like, be like that. I liked it before, like, when it wasn't like this. Yeah. Um, but, no, I really I really enjoyed it, and I love stalking. Like, that's yeah, my yeah. that's my favorite thing to do on the yep. face of the planet. So, like, and I took a lot of pride mm-hmm. in that. And my ghillie suit, and we were winter, so we were at the end of winter, so it was way harder yeah. just because there was nothing and a lot of the lanes the stock lanes that we use were burn lanes okay so there just wasn't that much and our ghillie wash was like borderline not good because like they did it because obviously that's tradition they run yep. the fire hydrant all night long to fill up the trench mm-hmm. and i think when we started it was like high 40s when we did cool. and then it was one of those like all right everyone get in we started and I'll never forget that cold. Like that was the coldest I've ever been in my life. Cause like when you jump in, it's like that deep pit first and then you start the low crawling. Yeah. It's like super deep. You go all the way underwater and then come out and start crawling. <laughs> and when we did that first run, we got out and I've never uncontrollably shook that hard. And you're supposed to do it like three or four times. We only mm. did it twice. And okay. then they were smoking us in between, not cause we did anything wrong, but I think it was one of those like moments where they're like, 
oh, we might have fucked up. Because, like, we were borderline hyperthermic shock. So we went back up, and they were like, keep running, guys. And you could see the instructors, like, talking to each other, like, hey, uh, we need to get this shit, like, fixed. We couldn't even, like, open our lockers because, like, our hands were shaking so bad. Yeah. And so got all our stuff, and then all the RIs came down. RIs. All the instructors came down and hung out in our little bay and watched us shower and get warm because they were like, we can't have anyone because we had one guy go into shock mm. and then he actually didn't even have to go to the hospital, but it just wasn't the greatest time. Yeah. But now looking back, like it's my favorite thing. Yeah. Cause it's like that sucked so bad, but then it was not fun. How many people get to build a ghillie suit with their bare hands and then go test it out? I know. You know, mine survived two ghillie washers without any tears. I still, my, mine's literally in the back of my truck. Yeah. So I still have my ghillie suit from the schoolhouse that I wore overseas and everything. And then I got into making ghillie suits. So yeah. then being on Benning, I would make them and then sell them to students. Yeah. So make a ghillie suit for like 400, 450. So did you still do it the conventional way? The, um, with, a, um, sorry, canvas and, uh, sew it, shoe goop over top of the sew. Yep. Okay. Cause that's what I did. And I'd never had issues. Everyone's that fell apart were obviously ones they bought or just ones they were just like doing shitty ass. And I'm a nerd. So like I did yeah. eat way more than that. Oh, yeah. And it was like at the end where before it was like really heavy jute. Mm -hmm. But then they were kind of testing a the theory and me and two other guys were allowed to do it where like mine set up literally the same way it was then. And it's like I only had like 10% non and then 90% was regular okay. so 10% artificial and then the rest was my surroundings and it worked so much better so the whole back of mine's like 550 cord everywhere for tie downs yeah. and then I have like the whole back is a mesh so it can breathe mm -hmm. so I have like a BDU or I'm sorry a AC or multicam multicam mesh down the whole back end and then I've got like little things for rounds on my side and yeah. made loops and I also made mine so I could pull it over my uniform yep so do you remember the where they're like all right guys you have 10 minutes to or however 10 seconds to get in your suit I was always the first one because I made zippers that ran all the way up my calf yeah so I could not, I didn't have to take my boots off so I was always the first to have it done because I got fucked up a lot in the first class for that. Mm -hmm. And then the second class, I was like, ah, fuck all these yeah. guys. Like, I'm making mine. I could pull it Dude, over my stuff. I legitimately sewed. I made, I just took some fabric and put it on top and sewed it in just for a can of chew. It was on the inside of my arm. It's like, some people have a map. I don't need a fucking map. I just like my chew out when I was laying there. Just like went in when I was talking. It's perfect. Yeah, it's those little things, you know. It's, it's funny how it's like, there's a lot of damn people that have been in the military, but a lot of guys are connected somehow. Yeah. Well, like, I, you guys know some of the same people. I guess that's where I was starting with, because, like, there's so few. <clears throat> like, for instance, my company commander to put me in a team was in um, an, uh, a CO at sniper school. So there's even less officers that are brought before qualified, and he's happened to be one of them. So we had to read Sniper on the Eastern Front. That was like, you have to re fucking read this thing before you go, because mm -hmm. that's a brutal fucking book, right? And, uh, um, and when you get out, you realize, every, oh, everybody's a sniper. You run into someone, like, oh, yeah, my, my brother's a, uh, you know, recon sniper or something. It's like, no, there's not that many fucking Bravo 4s. And by my calculations, there's about 47,000 at this point. Everybody's full of shit. And I don't get why everyone has to, like, fake this ego. It's like, it's not that actually, it's not a very good job. It sucks. I'd rather be like, you know what? My favorite job was a saw gunner. Actually, it was being a sniper. But <laughs> biggest saw gunner was fucking tits. Running around with a machine gun in Iraq was awesome, you know. Um, and I just don't get why everyone's got to fake the funk all the time. You know, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like even when I was in, like now I don't, I'm not 
it was a really cool chapter in my life, but like it's done. Yeah. Like, and I see so many guys, like it's defines who they are. Like military, military got like, if I meet someone and the first five minutes, he goes, so who are you with? Where are you at? One, my memory is horrible. So like even the dates of my deployments, I guarantee some of those are wrong. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't like, you could pull up my, DD two fourteen. That's right, right? Yeah. Like you could pull that up and look, and all my shits there. But I don't. I just don't remember because it's like I'm the kind of person where you say, "Hey, Luke, this is what you got to get done this week," and I'll focus on that. But when I'm done, it's like, okay, what's next week? And yeah. whatever I did that week is gone. I've been that way my entire life. And then right. memory and brain issues since then, and not even from like only one of them is from the military. The rest is from rugby. Mm. So like rugby is not good for TBI mm -hmm. and especially like the position I played. And it's just like, I don't remember a lot. So it's not even worth having those conversations a lot of time for me because one people are going to call bullshit. Cause you know, when you meet someone, you're like, so who are you with? And like, yeah. uh, 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 I do that already. <laughs> oh, yeah, so exactly. it's like, and then I don't want it. Then now it's like, okay, well now I have to defend myself. I have to pull up pictures. Yeah. I have to show you my paperwork and I'm not walking around with my credentials in my back. We, we've had that conversation out here. Cause Kevin's one just like yourself, who that was a chapter in his life, and that's not you anymore. It's not what you do. No, I'm not going to be 80 years old and be like, oh, well, dude, I haven't heard Kevin talk so much about his military service till we started this podcast, and we've been friends for a long, long we're time. Talking to vets. Yeah. But it's because we're talking to vets, we're talking about sure. that. It's not something he just brings up to somebody. Well, and it's fun. Like, I haven't yeah. talked about cyber school in a long time. So yeah. it's like, yeah, and it's fun, but at the same time, we live in such a culture that's like, everybody has to like have clout and it's like i did this i did that mm. military not military whatever it is and for me it's just judge me on like just who i am like right now yeah exactly. like not so much of like who i did what i did but because like i haven't shot a long gun in three years so here's the other thing let's say you're like oh you're a sniper i start talking to you find out you're some amazing competition shooter and then you invite me out to your range and then i get there and i haven't shot a long gun in three years right so now i'm like pulling out all my old dope books trying to like i still have my little uh my little sniper card like my yeah. cheat sheet yeah and it's like i'm gonna look like a moron because i talk so much about something I did. I used to yeah. deadlift, you know, close 600 pounds. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So I'm not going to walk up to a bunch of power lifters and be like, oh yeah, I did blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> yeah. I would be lucky to get 225 off the ground right now. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do 135 with my back. Yeah. But I don't know. That's just kind of how... I view it when it's with friends or good guys. I don't mind because I know you're not going to sit here and like hold it against me or like, oh, you said 2007, nine. Oh, it actually was yeah. 2008. It's like, I'm sorry. I just, I <laughs> don't remember. Honestly, I think on one of our first podcasts, I did the same thing because someone asked me, oh, when did you get to play in Afghanistan? And I said, Diala province. Like, oh, wait, that's what I read. It's went to Iraq. And I never corrected myself. I was like, oh, Diala yeah. province. Like, oh, wait, and I was in the Horn of Panjway in Afghanistan. I didn't even catch myself. You know, so now it looks like, oh, he's full of shit because yeah. that's in Iraq, not Afghanistan. You know, like, well, same thing. There's people that think it's full of shit. Like, fuck them. Who cares? Well, if they thought it was it's, full of shit, Mario came on. And was well, like, that, that was the idea. So we, we had, just talked about murdering people. One of, one, of his, <laughs> one of his best friends who he served with was a guest. And it was kind of cool because I felt like for Kevin, it kind of validated what he's done in the past. Because I just sat back and listened to him talk, I wasn't trying man. to. We just but, went I, But that that's route. what happened, yeah. you know. And you guys yeah. went down memory lane. And anybody that was doubting what you've done in the past can fuck off. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I don't care. And it, who cares? It's in the past. And like, he, and like he said, all I care is fit. 
at right now like face value like oh you seem like a really cool fucking dude yeah now i want to know more about you versus hold on what degree do you have um what's your military experience and then i'll see if i like you yeah like fuck ingenuous people like that i don't want anything to do with well them, that's with this know? podcast that's what that's one of the greatest things i've actually ever heard like that's perfect i try to explain that to people all the time i have friends that are a-list celebrities that are gangbangers that are homeless mm-hmm. i have friends all across the board i don't give a fuck what you've done in your life what you are now i just care about being a rad yep. human yep, and i don't i don't need to know especially like being a bodyguard for as long as i have i and i don't watch any sports and being in atlanta i worked with a lot of falcons players and it always blew their minds like i worked for Devonte freeman for a few years one okay. of our running backs big one at the time and uh, I thought he played soccer the first time I met him. <laughs> like, I had no yeah. idea. And he was like, motherfucker, you know who I am? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, I thought you were like a soccer player or something. And that's something he joked about me with forever. Yeah. Just because, like, I, I don't care. You're just a really awesome dude. You mm-hmm. listen to what I say, which is the only way I picked my clients is, like, if you do exactly what I tell you, we're going to be fine. Mm. I don't want to take a bullet for you. I'm not one of these, you know, six, nine, 400 pound dudes that looks the part. I'm blessed to have my size, especially at that time when I was lifting really heavily. But it's that mindset. If you look at any, for the most part, A-list celebrities bodyguard, they look like Evan Hafer. Like mm. they're small, little bitty people because the whole point is to get your client out of a situation before you're even in a situation. Mm. Yeah. The guy who tries to posture and be the big, tough, scary guy yeah, maybe they have street cred because they took a couple bullets for T.I. or whoever they're bodyguarding for. I don't want to get shot. So I'd rather get you out of the club 10 minutes before there was a mass shooting or a stabbing. Yeah, make it a thinking man's game. Exactly. And like I said, I was blessed to have the size, but it's all about just your brain and building a legitimate relationship with your client. If you're lucky enough to not work for a company, freelance like I did, but the whole point of all that is doesn't matter who you are or what you do. I I like people. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And well, that's good people are here. the best. Like we've late as of lately had some like super impressive people coming on our podcast. That wasn't the goal with this. It's not about what they've done. They're not about the companies they run. Yeah. We talk a little bit about that, but it's about like, are they a good person? Getting and, to know them. Well, and like, so you know. prime example, because we had Evan on, right? And the reason I reached out to him was because I heard your episode of Free Range American with him. And I heard what he did for you and how he helped you out. Yep. And I was like, fuck. And I, I, I'd heard, you know, he's a good dude before, but hearing your story about how he helped you out, he offered for you to move to Salt Lake. And I'm, one of, I'm one of hundreds. Yes. And hearing all that, I was like, okay, that's a good dude. And then I reached out to him. And I was amazed he even replied. And that's been really cool on this podcast is we've gotten a bunch of people on who, yeah, they've done impressive things. They have impressive businesses. They do all but they're so far everybody's a really good person well that's the thing too is because of you know how i am and some of the people have been listening do like yeah i'm an asshole and i'm tense but i'm always going to be there for someone who i really care about even people i don't know but the thing is i like if i spend my i vote with my dollars i don't just like obviously i'm wearing north face right now i don't really believe in the company but i have it right but when it comes to spending quality money i gotta know the people first it's yeah. like Oh, would I buy one of your knives? Now that I've met you or like heard you on podcasts or seen, you know, some social media, like, fuck yeah. Well, like, I'll push my money that direction. You know what I mean? Well, but that was something that I wanted to push across. So being in my position, especially now, I've been very blessed to get to meet and be around a lot of people I looked up to. 
via social media. And then when I met them, they sucked. And I was like, okay, well, I thought you were this person, but obviously you're not, and it's yeah. all fake. Mm-hmm. And that motivated me, especially early on, and why I could tell y'all hundred. I could literally probably come up with a hundred names of blacksmiths that are a thousand times better than me. The reason I think I'm doing so well is because who you see on my Instagram is exactly who you see in real life. Dude, I told Kevin, so, cause I, li- like I said, I listened to free range and I told him about who you were and I, the whole way here, I was telling him like, dude, he's a positive person. Every time I've talked to you on the phone. I hate that. You I hate dumb. it. I hate it. I hate hearing that I'm positive. I tell my wife this all the time. <laughs> There's a huge difference. So I, God, I hate that. Okay, I hate a positive. Happy, a happy person. Happy. Yeah. So I think the thing that, and somebody, I wish my memory's better. Somebody described me perfectly the other day and I was like, I need to write that down. And I didn't. When I hear positive person, I think of that person who's like, it's okay, just look on the bright side, or it's okay, something good's gonna come out of it. That's not me, it's that I've been through so much shit and I've been kicked down, I've, I've almost taken my life, I've gone so fucking dark on all the weird stuff that happens to me, it's a joke. Like, <laughs> anytime I do anything, people are like, don't do it, you're gonna get hurt. Like, just, yeah. I, if it's gonna <laughs> go wrong, it's gonna go wrong to me. The difference is how you get back up. Yeah. And after so much shit has happened, you just know something's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Like breaking my back last year saved my marriage. It saved my business. Mm-hmm. It brought my family together. It made me, t- it was the biggest life-changing moment of my entire life. 2020 was the best year of my life because I was forced to sit on my couch for three months, be in my own head, which I hate to be. And it made me a better person. Mm-hmm. So positive, that could be construed as positive, yeah. but it's like it's when resilient. something when something bad happens, I just word. don't let it affect me. Well, like yeah. like what what I mean by positive is even in shitty situations, mm-hmm. you find you find a positive. You found a positive thing about breaking your fucking back, which right. there's not much positive about that. But you looked and I, deep into yourself. Yeah. I just don't want to be come off as like obnoxious. No, no, I, dude, like because I, I, I am a I negative person a lot of the time. I think from my perspective, it is resiliency. Cause I like same thing. I've been through, yeah, going through shit right now. Yeah, but I'm not that I'm not trying to show how much it sucks. I'm maybe trying to be somewhat professional in here. Maybe not with the the cuss words they use and all that bullshit. But I guess it was just like my overall mood. But it's like, well, am I going to adapt and be resilient, or am I going to be a little fucking pussy? And that's what I kind of tell myself. Like it's okay to be a human and have emotions, but am I going to reside in that? Am I going to be so introspective and just ruminating on those ideas, or am I going to be like? make this a better person, move on, you know, yeah. get better. And so that, but that anyway, you need negativity for that. Cause I can't just say, Kevin, you're awesome. Be great for three things every day. And you'll get through this. See, yeah. that's what I think of when I hear see, positive. So like, right. Let, let like, me, let me clarify more. Like, <laughs> like you said, what you see on your social media is what you get a hundred percent. Cause yeah. I've been following you for a while. I see your posts. You always seem so happy and because life's good. And then I mm-hmm. talk to you on the phone and I feel happier after I got the phone with you the couple times you talked. Because you don't fucking know me. And as soon as you answer, how's it going, man? How are you? You're like very personable and you're very happy. And that's what I mean by positive. Right. Like you just, you've been through so much shit in your life. And this is a common thing on our podcast. We've talked about a thousand times that struggle makes you stronger. That's just a fact. And once you get through it and you find a way through it, like you said, other things seem like a joke. You've been through fucking hard times. And that's been a, a theme on this podcast with people who have shitty times in life, including myself and kevin 
like it makes you more grateful for things that are going on now. And it also lets you know you're not alone. Yeah. Like I think the reason I've gotten in the mindset that I am is like this wall behind us, there's a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. Every single banner, every flag, everything on my wall is either a gift from somebody I look up to or a business that I have a personal relationship with. Mm -hmm. And when I get in my feels, when I have that bad day, when I fuck a knife up, when things aren't good, I look at my wall and I'm like, okay, well, Bert, I guarantee he's not crying. You know, tacticalories, you know, he, it's just like everybody is here and it just reminds you like, oh yeah, they sucked. Like they went through this shit. Yeah, and yeah. so many people, I always go to hunting. So many people show that massive trophy animal. And that's all their Instagram is, is trophy animal, trophy animal. Life is good. Life is good. This is awesome. This is awesome. They don't show the six weeks they were sucking or, you know, that hunting trip where they were out for five days and 30 degrees miserable yep. before they got that. You'll look at it. You'll go out in a day and you're like, oh, I didn't get it. it like, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I didn't know that he was out yeah. there for five days. Yeah. And it's the, oh, I didn't know you went through that. And that's where the more honest approach I do, it's very hard for me. Like when I'm around people, I have no problem talking and I'll walk right up to you, shake your hand, good to know you, get to know you. But it's hard for me to put myself out there. But before Black Rifle even came along, there's a company called Flag Nor Fail, Robin, Daniel, and Bailey. And Rob was always so open with the struggle. Slept on my couch. We were bankrupt three times. Like I lost everything. And now they're an unbelievably successful mm -hmm. company. But he was open about the struggle, open about the failure. Mm -hmm. Black Rifle came along. Evan, I did this. I worked. He, I think he worked every single day for the first like four or five years. Like did not take a break. And it's you see the struggle and how hard, because they're open with it. Yeah. And then you go, okay, if they did it, look what they have now. You didn't know that he had 20 billion businesses before this one, mm -hmm. that none of them did unbelievable like Black Rifle did. When people only show the goodness, you don't realize all the shit they went to get there. And Same with me. And you're crippling them. Like I have two kids and I absolutely don't do that here's my trophies or I don't have money, but here's my money. You know, like, no, I show them the path because the path is where it's beautiful because mm -hmm. it fucking sucks. You got to sweat. You got to suffer. Um, even for small things like getting a trophy buck, whatever, but it is about the path. It's not the trophy. If you focus too much on the trophy, you're going to become too entitled. You won't work for anything. Mm -hmm. Like I don't give a fuck about the trophy. You know, what path are you going to take and how hard can we, what kind of stimulus can I give to push them? You know, when it comes to like kids or being a mentor to people, you know, that's a whole other factor out there. You know, it's really about the path. And then there's a common there's a common thing of like jealousy. So if I only showed all the good stuff, yeah. let's say somebody who's becoming a new knife maker or something comes up and he's like, Oh, his knife sold out in two minutes. Fuck this guy, like Envious. blah blah blah. But if I'm actually me and I share all the times they don't, or I share when I broke one or something didn't work, or I truly believe I'm not that good of a blacksmith yet. I have so much to learn, but I'm trying my best and I'm very blessed to be in a position with Black Rifle, with who I am just in general, to try to help as many people as I can. And then once you do that, now you're building a community and a brotherhood and not just looking after yourself and being open about that kind of stuff. The hard things, the mental issues, the struggles we have, like especially as a parent, like 
I pride myself on the kind of father I am because it's all I've ever wanted to do. Not so much like I wasn't one of those guys that's like, I have to have kids, but I knew if I had them, I wanted to do it right. Yeah. Because I was blessed to have such an amazing father. And when he passed away, the only memory, my dad was killed when I was 13. And I have the greatest memories of him because he gave a shit. Instead of so many people like, so many people are focused on making a great future for their children that they're not actually living in their lives. So yep. like, I'm yeah. going to do this. I'm going to work my ass off. This is all for you. We can relax one day. How do you know that you have tomorrow? Yeah. So I'm going to do my best to be present in my kids' lives as much as I can because if, God forbid, my card gets called, I want them to have the best memories. Like yesterday, I'm super swamped right now because of my injury. Like now I'm trying to get caught up, was in here working on Sunday. You know, Evan was here with the kids and they had dirt bikes and everything. And for me, it was like, okay, I need to keep working, but I'm gonna have the family come out and we're gonna play out here and we're gonna cook out and I'm gonna spend time with my daughters and make those memories yeah. because I worked 70 hours this mm -hmm. last week. Right. And it's, I wouldn't have never known that if I didn't have mentors like Bert Sorensen, like Brent Burns, like Evan, like these guys who are super important in my life that I look up to as men, as fathers, as business owners, because of how humble they are. There's a joke every time I see Bert Sorensen, he's like, literally like I look up to that man so much. We cry almost every time we see each other. Not when we see each other, but we are going to have a conversation at some point mm. where he and I are hugging each other, choking up. Mm -hmm. And it's always a joke like, can I get through this trip without like <laughs> yeah. breaking down at some point? Because so many people are like, we have to be these big, tough, badass yeah. guys. Like, fuck that. Like, I love you, bro. Give me a hug. Like, yeah. are you doing okay? How's your family? How's the wife? How's the kids? Like, you know, I know you used to struggle with women. Like, how you doing with that? Like, are you being good? Like, that's the accountability that I got from some of my closest friends that got me on this path. Now it's my turn to turn around and try to help out as many people as I can, or at least be open to those conversations yeah. to meet a guy who's like this super tough dude. And then I've got him opening up about how he thinks he's a horrible dad. Mm -hmm. right. And it's like, no dude, like I fucking did that too. Like yeah. it's all good. That's another thing we've talked about on here a lot. Like we both have tattoos. You look a little rough. Dude, I don't care. Like, if I, I just met you, I'd give you the biggest hug ever. Like, and I'll tell everybody, I fucking love this guy. Because yeah. this big tough guy thing, those guys aren't usually tough guys. They're, they're usually they're scared. Just, they're afraid of being yeah. vulnerable. They're, they're afraid scared. of having humility. Yeah. And so and it's like, did you, what do you do? Do you fight them? <clears throat> like, I mean, emotionally, do you fight? Do you resist that person? Or do you understand he's scared? Yeah. He can't be vulnerable. He's a 12-year-old trapped in a man's body. Yep. How do I help this motherfucker? Mm -hmm. But they can't be helped if they can't be vulnerable, right? They'll just attack you. We've been there. Yes. Like, well, and I was that guy. Like hypermasculine. Just even conversations right? me and you have had over the past couple of years, like you going through the struggles you've gone through. I, it's cool to watch, like Kevin, who used it wasn't he was trying to be a tough guy, but he just wouldn't talk to anybody. It was like I'm keeping all this in my fucking head, mm -hmm. and that's not healthy for anybody. It's just not. And it, I know it's not easy to talk about shit. And I'm not even talking about like his military stuff. I'm talking about just stuff in his personal life. What, oh, it, what, sure. it, what it leads to is what happened well, this last year. Yes. Going to the hospital for legitimately just having such a bad panic yes. attack. That, was it angina or AFib or something, whatever? The EMT was like, oh, yeah, you need to fucking but, go. But you went you from know? that to like not even talking to some of your closest friends to we're on a podcast with 
all these people listening, we don't even know. And he just comes out and tells everybody on the podcast, I'm going through a divorce. I'm doing, and I was like, Oh, I did not expect Kevin to be that open. Yeah. Cause we were talking about transparency on here. Cause we're getting a little bit of a following of people listening to us. And some, some of them, we know a lot of people we don't know. And it was very transparent of him to just say that. And I was, yeah. I was like super proud of him. Cause yeah. I think it's like you said, it's important for let, let people see, especially people that are following you online who don't know you in real life. It's not just for everyone else. It's for yourself as well. Yeah. Like yeah. I've been in therapy for close to eight years now and it saved my life. Yeah. Like it's, you can't hold all that shit in. And even if it's not a therapist, you need those four or five. I've got, I've got about five to six guys in my life that I can call anytime, any day. And they're there for me. And Sometimes it's just a quick checkup, like, hey, we're doing good. Sometimes it's a 30, 40, 50 minute conversation where I can talk to them and they're not going to judge me because we struggle with the shit every single day. And you need those people to be accountable, to have your back. Like, I don't ever want to be famous is the easy word, but I don't want to be the biggest personality in the room ever or in my community. Mm -hmm. I always want guys around me that I can look up to because if I'm the lead in my pack, I have no one to rely on. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to, and there's always someone better than you. I'm always going to keep adding up so that I have those people that have already been there ahead of me. And then when I'm struggling and I'm hurting, I can go to, especially in my relationship because Women have been my biggest downfall in life. They, mm. I've never drugs, never out, like nothing I ever struggle with except women and staying faithful in relationships and not just physically, but emotionally. Text message, talking, and flirty. I'm a flirtatious person by nature. But you have to realize like it can really, really hurt people. And when you think, oh, I didn't do this, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. So right. for me to be like, for me to be in a healthy relationship, to be with the love of my life and the mother of my children, I need to figure this out. I need people in my life that if I'm struggling, that if I'm hurting, that if, you know, let's say that life's been busy, we haven't had sex in two weeks, you know, I see a pretty girl, I'm like, oh, what's up, girl? What's your name is? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, no, I'm good. Now I'm not going to put myself in those situations. I'm not going to go to the bar, you know, at 1 a.m., you know, to grab a couple of drinks and see what happens. It's, okay, I've got these steps in here and I've got my buddies that'll hit me up and say, hey, bud, how you doing? How's Mm -hmm. life going? Like, you being good? You struggling? Anything going on? And I haven't struggled since my wife and I've been back together. And it's been amazing because I have those mentors. And guess what? Half of my mentors are in unbelievable relationships and they fucked up and they've told me about their mistakes and how they got there where I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, y'all are perfect. You've been together 20 years, like life's good. And he's like, bro, we didn't talk for a year and a half and we lived in the same house. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, what? Yeah. And then when people are open and they want to share those moments, then you get the, oh, it's not just me. That literally ties in with this whole conversation so yeah. far as like, yeah. oh, I'm not alone. You, you did this. Oh, shit okay, well, okay, I can do this. Because mm-hmm, yeah. a lot of people will give up because they think something's wrong with them. I thought something was wrong with me. Like, I thought that I was like, <laughs> never forget, I was talking to my therapist, and I was like, I think I'm a sex addict. And she laughed in my face. And she was like, you are so far from that. <laughs> You're just a dude. And I was like, what? No, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. She's like, I guarantee if you talk to them, they struggle with the same thing. And when I talked to them and brought it up, 
same thing. She's like, sex addicts, I have a guy who I'm working with that he has sex 15, 20 times a day with different people. Oh, that's a sex addict. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a problem. Oh, okay, I'm, okay, I don't have a problem. I'm, yeah. Like, what, what, I thought yeah. I did. What I, I did too, what I realized was it was a compensation. It was me looking for intimacy because there was no real intimacy because there's a difference between intimacy and passion, right? Yep. And so you're trying to find intimacy through passion. So you're bottlenecking intimacy and passion together. So now you're looking for that. So you feel like a sex addict. Like, why do I always want you? It's like, well, because we're not having sex, we're distant. If we can just bring it closer together emotionally without having sex, now we don't need, we don't need sex every day. Now it's like a sex yep. addict. You know, that's a, that's a complete marriage. It's love. Uh, what's it? Love, passion, and intimacy. You got to have all three or else you're mm-hmm. missing pieces, man. And for some people, it doesn't work out, which is fine too. Because some, sure. sometimes you have to go the opposite direction. I've done that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like that's what he's going through right now. And it's just like I've, I'm that guy who is texting him all the time. Like, are you good, man? Mm-hmm. We literally live like a street away from each other. But yeah. I'm, I'll text him once a day. Be like, hey, man, how you doing? Are you good? Because I know what he's going through right now. And he probably gets sick of me texting him, but that's fine. I'm but like, those, I'm, I'm, but those people in your life are huge. And, and for me, it's just like, I want my friend to be happy and we've become, we've gotten way closer over the past year because of shit's gone in, on in his life. And, and I've been through my own shit. Like I try to help him as much as I can, but I'm not a fucking therapist, yeah. you know, but I do what I can. Um, and then when it comes to like things like PTSD or blast injuries, I don't know anything about that life. I, I just don't, I was never in the military, but I just try to help him through like an anxiety attack or something. Right. I just know they put me on fucking Clomid for my testosterone, like blast injuries. Yep. And it put me, it's like 1500. It was ridiculous really quick, but it took my estradiol to like 85. So it was like, like I'm still trying to come down. I got fucking bitch tits. I was getting love handles. Like I just got, just get fat. I was like, dude, what the fuck's going on? He's like, Oh, your estrogen's like really high. Do you think you have suicidal thoughts? Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So he gave me an estrogen blocker while I was getting off of it. So you sound like you need some HCG. Like you need you need some stuff to help out with that because yeah. I ran steroids for three years. Okay. And it was like the reason I never had side effects is like my post cycle therapy was so good because I'm like a nerd and I research anything that goes in my body for a very long time before I do it. But I would like my post-psychotherapy, I'd be running uh, HCG the entire time. So just doing a pen in the stomach every day and that kept your estrogen level so you didn't just drop, like lose that test and then skyrocket. Like that's how so many guys get screwed. So they'll run their cycle and then come off with nothing. And you cannot do that. That's where the real issues are. So you have to cycle down super carefully and then watch that estrogen level. And for me, like that's the only reason why I had such good success is I wouldn't come off it. Like I do my cycle because I was running mainly test and trend. I do my cycle, come off, run HG or HCG the whole time leading up to my next round. Mm. Okay. So that's why I never had that struggle. But I've had a lot of friends that I've seen go through that. And that shit'll jack your brain off. Yeah, because like, it just yeah. If your estrogen's getting up with your testosterone, why even be on testosterone? Because you're just gonna just get fatter and be on testosterone. Cool, you know, basically or have testosterone. Yeah. See, it was just a bad reaction essentially. The clomid didn't work for me, you know. So it's like, all right, well, we'll uh, try to do this more natural way, which isn't really working because now my sleep's so fucked up. You know, mm. I can nap right now. <laughs> well, know. we did we did drive five hours. Well, actually, I mean, more than <laughs> the last three days because it's been a month. I've like the last three days I've taken naps in the middle of the day. Well, and low T is the worst. Like, it's just not a good feeling. And I struggled. I struggled once I completely came off everything. And now I'm actually going to do it the right way and go like more TRT, like get Mm -hmm. my testosterone levels and everything back up. Because I was 
I weaned off leading up to my back injury. So I was six months strong in the gym, no longer on anything, was just doing like more hit training, high intensity, like wanted to get, when was the last time you saw like a really tall old person? Like I'm a great Dane. Like we don't live that long. How, t- how tall are you? Six, eight. Well, six, seven. Yeah. I just, I think I've lost an inch. I've told people I've six, eight my whole life. And then my wife and I was like, you know what? I want to measure myself because someone <laughs> called me out the other day. And I was like, the army told me I was six, eight and found out like I'm just over six, seven, like wow. barely. And I'm like, man, I really need to get used to that. Like, cause I've said just six, eight. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, actually I'm like a little, barely six. Seven. I've always said six foot and I'm like five, 11 and a half. <laughs> just five, 11, <laughs> yeah. But no, like, uh, like you were just talking about like having friends. That's huge. That's that's really big for people that are going through through things. Even if you don't know the person that well, like if you have someone who's been through something and kind of guide you, that's a big help. Like I've had that in my life before too, and it's yeah, it's a huge help. Just knowing you're just knowing you're not alone. Yeah, like that people have been there before you, and that you're gonna get through it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's huge. And my wife and I, we weren't married yet, but we separated for an entire year, all of 2020, we were separated. Okay. Um, and it was just one of those, we've been together for seven years and have our two daughters and just never pulled the trigger on marriage. I did it really fast the first time. And that ended horrifically Mm. lost my wife and my best friend at the exact same time. And they ended up marrying each other. Um, so fun, fun time on that one. Yeah. But I was in no rush to go down that rabbit hole again and I just wasn't ready and it got to the point where we were just arguing and fighting all the time and we did what we tell everyone they should do but it's a hard thing to do where we were just like this sucks like let's end it now before we hate each other for the good of the kids so that we can be around each other be great parents like I lived in the house for almost three months after we broke up Mm. of just like getting my shit together and then not a, I don't recommend that. Uh, That's not fun either, but (laughs) it was, we did it for the right reasons. And then me breaking my back and her just being away from me and figuring her shit out. We were very lucky that we ended up back together after a Mm. year, just because I was like, Oh no, this is exactly what I want. Like it was the first time that I had been single and I didn't sleep with everything that was in five feet of me. And instead of going down the exact same path I always did, that obviously was failing, I listened. And COVID made it way easier because we broke up. I moved out, broke my back all within the first like two weeks of COVID. Okay. So like when I broke my back, I'd only been in my house for two weeks. (laughs) So nobody was around. Nobody could really do anything. And it forced me to really figure out who I was and then... Thank God I did. And mm-hmm. now I have my family back and everything. But you just got to be happy. I see so many people in shitty relationships that drag it out because they don't want to hurt somebody or because of family or kids or financials. Like, Bad idea. Just be happy. Yeah. Like it's not. I just helped some friends of ours out just recently where they've been struggling, you know, cheating on their spouse or cheating on their significant others. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with you two liking each other. Like nothing. Like that's a good thing. Like are you happy? Are you happy? I can see y'all are happy from a mile away. Be an adult, break up with your significant others. Mm-hmm. Then there's no more building a relationship off of bullshit. Yeah. You actually get to build a relationship naturally and be happy because in the long run, you want to be happy or you're going to waste years of that person's time. Why go through life miserable? It's And your kids are going to see you miserable. Exactly. And those are conversations Kevin and I have had a lot. It's like, <clears throat> like with my folks, my mom and dad divorced when I was really young. 
So I didn't, I don't remember that, but I remember how happy my stepdad made my mom my whole life. So that's what I've strived to do for my wife. And I don't always make her happy, but I try, you know, and I was talking to Kevin cause he has kids, you know, going through what he's going through. And I was like, sometimes you have to just cut ties, man. Cause they're going to see both of you miserable. There's mm. no, that's not good for him either. And, and the biggest and hardest thing in that is like never using the children against each other. Yeah. The yeah. second, the second, the second that starts happening is when it, and that's something I'll give Sydney, my wife now is like, we never did that. And I mean, there were some times where it was like, we didn't even want, she didn't want to look at me. And, but when our children were in the room, they never saw that. Mm -hmm. And she could say things that I knew that it cut deep and <laughs> they wouldn't pick up on it. Mm -hmm. But we never did that in front of our children because yeah. she comes from a horrific divorced family and watched her parents use them against each other. And that was something that we swore that we would never do. Mm. And it's just being that good role model for your parents. And I mean, marriage sucks, especially nowadays. Mm. It is not easy. Like I, everyone's like, Oh, you're so lucky. I was like, I'm, I'm not lucky. I work. I, even to this day, my wife and I had an all out conversation about a week ago where it was crying whole nine yards. Like we're already back to these steps. How did we get here? And had a two and a half hour long conversation where we yelled and cried and everything. And the last two weeks have been the best it's been since we got back together. And mm -hmm. it's just, you have to wake up every day wanting to fight for that person. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to fight, then you don't need to be with them. Well, people, yeah. people always say, you know, marriage is work. That's true. It's very true. You have to, both have to put in the work too. There's a lot. Like of, if you're just yeah. doing it and she's not, it's not going to work. And I out. fail a lot. Even yeah. now, like I fail every day yeah. at being a husband, a father. Mm -hmm. I think, I think like, everybody does just, a lot of people don't admit that, unfortunately. Well, the biggest, I mean, arguments take, the, argue, the majority of arguments take place between couples. You can get rid of all that as a pattern. Everything that's verbally coming out, mm -hmm. we speak a, oh, God, I nerd too much. Sorry. We speak languages. They're all different across the world. We're using this to speak in a way that's representation, a representation of what's in our mind. What's the mind trying to convey? Where is it suffering? Why is it turned off in certain areas? Why is it being reactionary versus responding? And it, we kind of boil it down to it's, do I matter to you? All of these conversations and yelling and emotions we're having is your brain trying to signal, I feel like I don't matter to the other person. Why don't you put the dishes in the sink when you know I, I love when you put them in the dishwasher? Mm, yeah. I'm, you're right. Well, that's or, knowing your love language. You're right. Yeah, so like, what what makes you matter to me and vice versa? If, as long as I know that I matter to you, I'm secure, I don't think you're fucking around with anybody else, and I feel wholesome, right? If I don't feel like I matter, I can be a bitch to you all the time, or I can suppress it, and then it will come out all at once, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, so as long as we can understand that, and people in general, if you're having a hard time, that's what it's about. Do I fucking matter to you? If I don't, then why are you with me? Yeah. You know? And you have to, and, and you'll always, 90% of the time, you'll force your love language on your person. Mm -hmm. So yeah. for me, mine's physical touch and not the art of sex. It's right. rubbing my leg, holding my hand, giving me a kiss, like little, little things. I'm the easiest person to be with. Like walk in the grocery store and hold my hand. I'm good for the week. Yeah, it, makes <laughs> like, it just makes me feel like I can't put it into words. I feel like a God. Well, I'll do that to Sydney and she could give a fuck mm. like, okay, that was nice. But it's, and I'm like, but I, I, I kissed you. I was holding your hand. I had you sit next to me. Like, <laughs> because it what the so hell? And she's like, you didn't do the dishes. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, acts of service. Right. Like that's and quality time. Those yeah. are your love language. Guess what? I work 70 hours a week. 
quality time is not the best person to be with. So I have to make sure, like, I come home and it's like, oh, yeah, but we snuggled and watched a movie. Like, how do you not know I love you? And it's like, oh, because we didn't go to the park. Mm -hmm. We did it. And this pisses me off so much. It's the stupid flowers. If I had a dollar for every time, she's like, I just want flowers. Mm -hmm. Like, is it that hard? Like, something that I could go to the grocery store spend 15 bucks on some roses will send sydney to the moon i think it is the dumbest thing i think flowers are the stupidest thing ever created <laughs> They're just gonna like die. i could do so much more for you than buy some dumb flowers yeah but it's not about me it's nope. about what makes her happy mm-hmm. and same thing like somebody could tell her all you have to do is hold his hand like that's it like you don't want him to struggle or flirt with someone hold his hand and she just it might not work in her brain that way. That's like, oh, really? That's it? That's all I got to do? And vice versa. All I have to do is buy some flowers. Remember to take the trash out in the morning and make sure I, I take my shoes off and spray them so they don't stink <laughs> and put them at the front door. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really easy, but it's not because it's not what I would think to do. Right. And, that, and that's what I was saying. Like, that's where the work comes in. Yeah. Well, like A big part of the work is having that conversation with your significant other. Yeah. Like telling them like, hey, this is what makes me happy. Well, and you, listening to yeah. them when they tell you what makes them happy. And also not being dismissive yeah. when they tell you. <clears throat> Big time. I've been working yeah. so much like this. I can't believe I'm going to say it. It's like, I, I just forget to brush my fucking teeth. Like <laughs> I just, I get into it. I come home. I'm exhausted. I'll smoke, hang out with the kids, go to bed. Like that's my ritual. And then like some mouthwash started showing up. Like toothbrushes started being in every bathroom <laughs> and finally like she just said she was, she was like i'm sorry i don't know how to say this your breath's starting to fucking stink and i was like oh my god i'm and it hurt like it hurt my feelings and i was like oh i don't want to be that way and i was like i'm sorry like i i i, I maybe i forgot to brush my teeth like the last two days but all right i'm brushing my teeth three times a day yep. now yep. just because like i hurt her I was a little irritated at first, the way, because we were kind of in, it's not always comes out when you're in a little bit of an argument where it's like, okay, your breath fucking stinks, like a little stab. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, but she's right. And I don't want to be like that. So that's why she hasn't been kissing me. Or that's why, you know, when we are being passionate with each other, like, I like kissing you. Why aren't you doing it anymore? Oh, it's because I'm a dirty son of a bitch. Mm. Like, my mouth stinks. So now, using mouthwash, using dental floss, brushing my teeth every day, my shit looks better, she's happy, and now things couldn't get better, but I had to be in a place where I was receptive to that. Yeah, you can't just shut her down. Instead of, oh, my teeth stink? Well, you... And now you're in a massive fight. Both of you are like, well, I'm not going to change. I was ate a little bit of humble pie and was like, you're right. This is disgusting. I need to make the time for this. Yeah. I apologize. And now I brush my teeth with my daughter. So I yeah. make sure I do it. And the first thing I do when I wake up, I brush my teeth. This I'm 33 years old. I should not need someone to tell me when to brush my teeth, but it just wasn't on my, this is super important right. thing at the time. It's like, I have so many other things in my brain. Brushing my teeth was not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but now we're super happier. And like literally last night, I'm not even joking. I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom and she just popped in and she was like, you are sexy as fuck. <laughs> and I was like, really? this is what turns you on. Like I'm just brushing my teeth. Yeah. Like yeah. that was it. But that's all it takes is yeah. I got laid cause I brushed my teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you, showed, you showed her how she felt mattered. And like, all right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And guess what? I forgot the trash and she took it out and she was like, Oh, it's all good. You brush your teeth. Yeah. And it's like, Oh wow. I'm actually listening. And guess what? After that, what did I do? bought her flowers yeah because i was happy because all of these things happened and it's just a a spiral mm-hmm. that goes down same back to the positivity of like yep. encouraging and helping people because 
let's say you and I have an unbelievable conversation, you might be more receptive to be there for somebody who needs it. I just want to follow in the lead of these great men that I'm mm -hmm. surrounded by that have built these amazing communities because <clears throat> once you stop caring about yourself, then you build an unbelievable community and everybody just starts helping each other. It's the same thing with like Baker. Mm. Like Baker was my key, one of my, my main key to like all this black rifle stuff years ago. Mm -hmm. And we barely talk when we see each other, we give each other a big bear hug. But for him, it was putting that introduction. And now if Baker hit me up, I was like, Hey, I need this. I'll fucking drop everything I'm doing and yeah. doing it for him. Cause I will not forget what that man did to me by one phone call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, similar story with us, with him. Like, he's introduced me to a lot of people, except I got to you before he introduced me. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's funny, because he, he mentioned you. He, I, I told him we were coming to talk to Neil. And he's like, have you have you talked to Lucas yet? I'm like, yeah, I've actually been talking with him. He's like, okay, cool. You need to talk to him. I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. But yeah, so now that we solved all the relationship issues in our lives. <laughs> Everybody's lives. Uh, we could probably wrap up soon, just because it's getting late. Okay. But what's your plans, like? with your company now that you're with black rifle and all that do you have any big grand plans for the so future? the big the big plans are <clears throat> setting this up to where i can teach um because the whole point of me moving out here besides to finally get to be with my friends is create a program for veterans where we're going to fly one to two vets a month in here to spend a week with me and work in the shop make them a knife and then just Blacksmithing was incredibly therapeutic for me, and I love sharing that, especially with veterans, and just continue to build a bigger and bigger community, give back to as many guys as I can, host some hammer-ins, because now, especially being partnered with Black Rifle, I want to start hosting things here where I can bring in guys that mm -hmm. I look up to, because who doesn't want to come tour Black Rifle and yeah. do all that? I can learn from it, hopefully, through all of these resources we have here, help their business, and just honestly continue with this community and keep building a, a, a place that's super safe for everyone and a place of nothing but, like, encouragement, positivity, and pushing people to, like, be their best selves. And I think Evan and everyone here has done an amazing job setting that role model. And I'm just like that little trickle who hopefully I can spread off a whole bunch of roots myself, yeah. benefit this company, show Evan that Evan, Matt, Jared, Baker, like everyone who put out their names for me, that it wasn't a waste, that giving me this unbelievable shop isn't a waste of time. Mm. And hopefully just continue their legacy through me and then hopefully have a whole bunch of little roots that boost off me and it just keeps going yeah awesome that's the goal that's oh awesome. yeah so social media all that good stuff where, uh where grizzly underscore it? forge that's the instagram the grizzly forge is the uh website and that is it uh if you are trying to get a knife please be patient um we uh <laughs> very blessed that they sell out very fast but i'm not stopping making them we're going to keep on pumping them and i promise when you do get one it'll be worth it because it's something that i spend a lot of time on and put a lot of love sweat and blood in they're beautiful man they i are. really appreciate it it's and what you i think it's this is awesome how you got you know you have the shop here now you have your community I, great things are going to keep happening that's that's cool i sure so, hope so all right well i guess we're done <laughs> all right we get to drive back to boise now Love you, bye. <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs>